This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Kanye West there with Ghost Town. It's almost five past four. You're in your face on 3CR with James. On today's show, Sam Elkin joins us about Change Your ID Day on the 15th of May. And at 4.40, Rachel Payne from the Reason Party joins us to talk about her run for the seat of Menzies in Melbourne against Kevin Andrews, an anti-abortion stalwart for the Morrison government. But Change Your ID Day is on the 15th of May. It's a one-stop shop for trans and gender-diverse people to change their name and gender on their driver's licence, passport and birth certificates in a safe and affirming environment. On the line, we do have Sam Elkin from Thorn Harbour Health and St Kilda Legal Service to discuss the event. Sam, welcome back to In Your Face. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. I imagine the event on the 15th of May uh, gets pretty emotional for a lot of people when they can finally change their gender identity and name on their birth certificate, for example. Yeah, well, it is um, a deeply personal thing, um, changing your uh, identity documents over, and we just wanted to make sure that we could, I suppose, provide a kind of safe and an inclusive environment um, for people to do that in a way where, you know, we kind of celebrate what we're doing as an important and affirming experience and, um, I suppose, show that there are a lot of us out there and we're all going through the same thing. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good idea and, yeah, I've been really grateful to be part of it. So who are the partners in the event and what agencies will be present? So um, the LGBTIQ Legal Service, which um, is part of St Kilda Legal Service, is partnering with Transgender Victoria on it to run the event um, and it's going to be at the meat market over in North Melbourne. There's going to be a bunch of different organisations there. So there'll be births, deaths and marriages, there'll be Vic Roads, uh, DHS, so for people to change Medicare and Centrelink stuff, Passports Office, did I say that? And um, also the uh, Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission and uh, Equinox uh, Trans and Gender Diverse GPs will be there. So it'll be a bit of a full-on marketplace. Uh, We've got lots of people there, so it's great. So how will the day work? Will people need to make an appointment? Um, So people can just sign up on our um, Eventbrite page um, and attend. So it it kicks off at 3.30 and it goes through till 6. And people can just um, turn up and start sort of interacting with the different agencies. We're not kind of sure how it's going to go yet on the day because we've never run one before. So we will have um, little sort of like sign-up times for the individual stalls if it does get busy. But um, it's kind of hard to say because it's all a bit of an experiment. Wow. So do other states actually do this or is Victoria the first? Look, I think we're the first. I'm going to call it. Um, I've never heard of anybody else doing this before. So, um, yeah, it's something that I've really wanted to push because I had a lot of trouble changing my ID over when um, I was, uh, you know, transitioning my ID. So I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to just have a one-stop shop? So, yeah, it's uh, been a project that I'm very passionate about because of my own difficult experiences. So what were some of the difficulties you experienced? 
Um, look, I think that by and large, all agencies do try and do the right thing most of the time. Um, and I think when people have really bad experiences, they certainly do happen, but they're outliers. Um, I think that the like the common problems that people have are having to disclose really sensitive personal information in like quite a large waiting room with a lot of other people around. So, you know, just rolling into Medicare and just saying, you know, oh, what is your business here? And saying, oh, you know, I'm just here to change my gender marker on my identification document. Um, you know, that's going to have people prick up their ears and, you know, have a real kind of like nosy at you and see what you're doing. And it's just quite an intimidating situation. And I think a lot of people are prevented from changing their ID because they're intimidated by actually going through that process. Um, and it's not that anybody's sort of trying to do the wrong thing. It's just, um, I think it's a very personal thing. And, you know, it's not the same thing as like registering your dog or something like that. So I do think that it would be good if we could find ways to do it in a kind of like sensitive and inclusive way where, where people can feel like um, they're going to be understood uh, and can also have their privacy. And I guess it reduces the random factor, like all the workers would have been trained to be, you know, culturally and and uh, gender-wise sensitive. So it's not like a lucky dip, whereas it can be if you rock up at an agency sometime, it really just depends on what worker you get. That's right. Yeah, you, you don't know who you're going to get. So, um, you know, everybody who will be present on the day will have, you know, opted in to be there. And, um, you know, I, I must say, like, I've had just very great support from all of the agencies. So, um, you know, people are really keen to find ways that they can do a better job of, of serving our community. Um, and they've been super supportive. So, yeah, I think um, we'll have a great bunch there on the day. So how will the event cater for non-binary people? Are we, for example, able to have non-female or non-male specific genders on documents in Victoria like they do in places like Oregon in the US? Yeah, it's a real mixed bag. So um, certainly you can get an X on your passport. Um, I believe you can get an X uh, on your Vic Roads document as well. Like there is nothing written on your driver's licence as such, but on the record at the back end. And you can certainly get um, like MOOCs as a title um, with a lot of organisations now like Vic Roads, for example. So when you get mail from them, you don't get misgendered. So there are opportunities, um, but not every organisation offers that at the moment. So I think this is an area that's probably going to change and hopefully we'll get some uniformity in the next you know, five years or so. But there's a lot of change going on in this space. And I imagine this event actually puts gender diversity on the agendas of agencies, whereas previously they perhaps wouldn't have had on their agenda. And I guess that provides momentum for further law reforms here in Victoria. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners will know that um, the birth certificate law reform efforts have been going on for for a long time in Victoria, and I think we're all buoyed by what happened in Tasmania with the positive legal changes there. And I do think that, um, you know, an event like this necessarily highlights the uh, kind of regressive um, issues that we have in our Birth, Death and Marriages Act at the moment in that a person has to have, um, you know, had surgery to their reproductive productive organs and provide evidence of that in order to change their, um, you know, recorded sex on their birth certificate or to get a change of sex certificate. So I think that events like this, while not like explicitly political in nature, um, do necessarily uh, 
I suppose, bring to the fore some law reform issues that, that are really important um, for advocates to keep working on. And there's there's a big, um, you know, group of people here in Victoria sort of pushing for that behind the scenes at the moment. So hopefully we do get a change in those laws in, in 2019. And I guess if people actually have to have surgery uh, in order to actually change their gender on their documents, that really disadvantages people who are gender diverse, who are poor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, most of these surgeries are incredibly expensive. They're out of the, you know, financial, um, you know, dreams of, of, of most people who are trans and gender diverse. And not everybody wants surgeries like that. I mean, even for, you know, uh, binary trans people, um, you know, who, who don't have a kind of um, non-binary gender identity, they don't necessarily want surgery to their reproductive organs. It's it's very individual. People want different things. There's no one-size-fits-all model. And it's just completely not necessary and it's completely up to an individual. And you should basically just be able to, you know, get the identity document that... Um, you know, matches up with your gender identity and it should be something that you get to decide yourself without medical gatekeeping along the way, in my opinion. What are some of the issues, outstanding issues, legislatively for gender diverse people in Victoria that need fixing? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the the birth certificate law reform um, issue is is front and centre. I think that's the key thing that I'd like to see changed. And certainly, um, you know, I would really like to see, I suppose this isn't such a sort of legislative issue, but I'd like to see all organisations and agencies, both government and non-government, commit to actually updating their data collection methods because, you know, they're all over the place at the moment. You know, every different form is different. And I think we really need some uniformity so that people can actually express their gender identity in the way they see fit. We had Rowan Meijers on the show before from Transforming Victoria just a few weeks ago celebrating the big gender diversity law reforms they have in Tasmania and you mentioned that before but um, I imagine it's, it's developed a huge momentum around the country. It's, it's galvanised groups around the country. Uh, would you say that's the case? Yes, I think that like we're all really impressed with the Tasmanian campaign and we want to see the changes across the country. And, you know, we have seen a lot of positive developments in this space flowing on from the marriage equality campaign. We've seen the end to, you know, forced trans divorce um, in Victoria, in the other states. So there is a positive momentum around this stuff at the moment. I'd love to see, you know, the Sex Discrimination Act change now to, um, you know, uh, withdraw the religious exemptions so that young people and teachers and so on can't be expelled um, from schools uh, or from their employment on the basis of their gender identity and the Equal Opportunity Act could be changed in Victoria to take out the religious exemptions as well. So that's something that, that I think would we would all love to see and um, I think we're waiting and expecting to see positive change in this area. Well, yes, of course, we have the federal election on the 18th of May. Uh, some of the policies from Labor and the Greens, especially in relation to the Fair Work Act and the Sex Discrimination Act, would, you know, achieve those things that you talked about. But, of course, the government, uh, if it's returned, seems to be opposed to those changes. Yes, well, I guess we're, we're all um, keenly anticipating uh, the the election on the 18th. And I guess no matter what happens, um, you know, whoever ends up taking office on the 19th will be there to argue that um, the Sex Discrimination Act uh, should be uh, amended to, to make it more inclusive of, um, you know, trans and gender diverse people and the LGBTIQ community more more generally. 
So, of course, change your ID dates on the 15th of May. It's part of Idaho, but give us those details again, especially how people can register. Yeah, it's also part of Law Week as well, which is a Victoria Law Foundation event. So um, that runs from the 13th to 19th of May, and we're very excited to be part of that. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to um, be a part of it, you can jump onto the Law Week website, which is lawweek.net.au, and um, if you put in Change Your ID Day, you'll find us on there, or um, it's also on the Thorn Harbour Health website as well. So yeah, all, all roads lead to Change Your ID Day. Awesome stuff. Sam Elkin, thanks for joining us today on 3CR. Much appreciated. Thanks. Triffords there, Sandy Devotional, 20 to 5, run in your face on 3CR with James. Well, Rachel Payne is the Reason Party candidate for Menzies in eastern Melbourne in the upcoming federal election. And Rachel joins us on the line. Welcome to 3CR, Rachel. Hello, James. How are you? I'm well indeed. You're running against Kevin Andrews, the Liberal oh, yeah. member. Uh, how oh. would you describe his policies on abortion? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, it was actually quite a shock when I started to research a little bit more into um, Kevin Andrews' positions just generally. But, um, you know, he was he was pivotal um, in ending the trials for the RU486 drug um, that allows um, access, easy access to abortion. Um, he also vetoed um, any sort of plans for the health minister to be able to allow an application to come through through doctors. So, Essentially, he just blocked it generally. Um, even if a even if a even if a medical practitioner sort of said, "Well, this is okay to do," so um, you know, he's just he's an arch conservative Christian. Um, he has supported um, and made several public announcements and speeches around um, his um, counter effort against the feminist movement, against equal opportunity, um, against abortion. Um, against homosexuality even. So, um, yeah, and and publicly stated that even if um, the seat of Menzies, which it did vote for a yes, 57% of um, those in the electorate voted yes, he would oppose that bill. So, um, Of course, the Reason Party has a strong record on abortion. Fiona Patton, the upper house member here in Victoria, actually was a, a pivotal player in the exclusion zones around abortion clinics being legislated by the Andrews government. Is abortion the main reason why you're running against Kevin Andrews? I think uh, not the main reason, but definitely for me, he's just very anti-women. And, um, you know, especially the plebiscite um, made me extremely angry. And um, it it was that whole um, process, the exposure... You know the the fact that it was really public, and um, it it just affected so many people around me as well. And um, it, it made me realise that um, you know we don't need to get angry. We need to get in there and, and start fighting for our our rights and um, and be loud and clear. Um, and you know I'm not um, I'm not saying I'm going to get elected, but I'm bloody well making sure I'm getting out there and and getting my voice heard and. Um, you know, particularly with Kevin Andrews, he's, he's very conservative. He's, he's blocked a lot of things around um, progressive 
voice in Parliament. Um, and I just think he's so outdated and I think he doesn't truly represent his electorate. Uh, and and as, a, as, a, you know, as a woman, I just don't feel represented in Parliament and I'm sure many people don't either. So I've just put my hand up, essentially. Fantastic. So what are the key policy issues that you're running on uh, and how do they differ from, say, Labor and the Greens, especially in relation to abortion? Um, well, I think in, in relation to abortion, we, we feel as though it needs to be a priority of whichever government is elected. Um, it, I mean, obviously it's a state-by-state issue, but I believe the Labor government has um, honoured to make it a priority to see it um, as part of um, a, like a federal scheme and encouraging um, the states to come on board in a new uniform way. And we would obviously support that. Um, you know, it's, it's about having accessibility and about um, having that right to choose. Um, probably one of the major policies that really that stands out um, on a reason perspective is our um, event, our um, changing the Charities Act to remove events in religion. Now, that means um, particularly Australian-owned businesses um, that are um, classing themselves as religious um, or events in religion don't pay tax. Um, now, fundamental to that is the Australian Christian Lobby Group, um, and they actually funded the No campaign around marriage equality. So their leader, Lyle Shelton, we'd like to see him... Um, you know, lose his tax breaks, essentially. Um, we're also a strong ag- advocate and, you know, Reason used to be the Australian Sex Party. So our background is really about letting adults be adults and supporting a person's freedom to choose their own lifestyle and way of living. Um, so long as personal freedoms don't harm others and respect others' human rights, um, you know, people should be uh, included to have freedom from discrimination and exploitation. Um, we also have a pretty strong policy around investment in mental health. Um, we're very much evidence-based and we'd like to look at reviewing the issue of isolation and loneliness, um, particularly for the LGBTIQ community. Um, they experience significantly higher rates of mental health and substance abuse issues. Um, and, you know, that's obviously because of social stigma and discrimination. But we have a real um, approach around uh, a strategy and uh, evidence base when it comes to looking at support services that would be specific to the community, as well as treating drug use as a health issue and not a criminal one. You mentioned Lyle Shelton before from the Christian Lobby. I I imagine he has a a fairly close, historically strong working relationship with Kevin Andrews, a sitting member for Menzies. believe so, yes. Um, You know, the more I dig, the more I'm discovering, but... um, I think they were also um, quite pivotal in 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 getting the um, the is it the Family Council of Victoria that did that sort of that tour of the, the anti homophobia policies in public schools, especially, and, and claiming there was sort of an indoct- indoctrination going on of students. So um, yeah, it's pretty vile stuff. So what are the issues that are coming up in in Menzies when you're out and about on the hustings? Uh, Do people say to you, for example, that they're tired of Kevin Andrews and they want to change? Yeah, I'm finding that um, people are quite engaging, which is is really nice. And and I think that um, there's been quite a a bit of a shift in the Menzies electorate. So 
they've sort of lost um, down past Croydon Way and they've gained um, sort of the top of Warrandyte and Eltham. So there's been a bit of a shift in demographic and, and climate. the climate emergency is definite, definitely the, the sort of key issue for people. Um, you've got a lot of old Liberal voters out there that are just very much, um, you know, of that, uh, of that train of thought. Um, but, you know, they are open to having conversations around what we're trying to do and what we're trying to encourage especially is just to work together um, in government and, you know, we're nonpartisan, um, and, you know, that's been evident with Fiona Patton in the Victorian Parliament. She's managed to work with all sides of government to ensure that policy and, and uh, legislation is, is getting through, um, whether it be the safe injecting centre or the... Um, the um, access to um, abortion clinics and ensuring that protesters are no longer denying people that freedom. So, um, yeah, she's she's been pivotal in making sure that we do work with all sides of government. And I think that people appreciate that we're not going, hey, we're this side or we're that side. We're saying, well, you know, we're pretty we're pretty much in the middle here. Um, our policies are, are quite um, intensive on being free and being open, but we're evidence based and. Uh, we will support whatever the evidence sort of directs us to for the greater good. You mentioned climate change. What are the mm-hmm. Reason Party's key policies on climate change? Well, we'd like to see um, a shift towards renewables, most definitely, and a, and a move away from um, you know, coal, gas, petroleum um, industries. Um, we would like to see that uh, there be a bit more investment in looking at technologies and, um, you know, we, we really are behind in the world when it comes to renewables, um, when it comes to looking at water conservation. And, um, yeah, we're just really pushing forward for real reform in that area. We're not really putting a time frame on it. Um, I know that a lot of parties are, but it's, you know, how long is a piece of string? Um, what we do know is that uh, this has been an issue for quite some time and no one is getting to any sort of close resolution on it. And, you know, there's been 2009, the Greens blocked in the Senate. Um, you know, since then, that sort of caused a real hiccup and, and the momentum of, of, of a switch of government. And, um, yeah, it just seems a bit unbalanced in so many respects of being able to work together and say, you know, you, we might want something that's quite ideal and perfect, but we need something practical and we need it right now. Of course, you're the general manager of the Eros Foundation. Tell us about the work that they do. So we are a um, an industry association and lobby group for adult retail and wholesale um, entertainment, uh, anything that's good goods and services related, really, in the adult industry. So um, some of the work that we do is mainly around discrimination of small business. Um, a big case study that we did recently was around banking discrimination, uh, and that sort of led. Uh, led to uh, reviewing all banks' policies on um, how they deal with the industry. I mean, we're talking an adult retail store, for example, and, uh, you know, mum and dad's stores, really, and, um, you know, the bank would turn around and say, well, we're not dealing with you anymore. You're you're the sex industry. It's like, well, hang on. Banking is an, exen- an essential service, so it, it's, it's a necessity, um, and... We sort of put it to them and we got the support of the um, small business Obmanson and Kate Carnell, um, which was great because she essentially just came out and said, well, it's a bit rich that banks are having these opinions on what is morally appropriate for people to be selling or buying. Um, 
and we managed to get a review up that saw a lot of the banks sort of turn and change their policy um, on who they would lend to and review that. Um, I've also, um, we've been working quite closely with what's been happening with the TGA um, and amyl nitrates. Um, and, you know, again, that's something that Reason has also supported is um, looking at allowing adults access to adult products. Um, and uh, so we're just sort of advocating for uh, access to, you know, a product that is used widely in the community and, um, you know, the TGA are wanting to review it to reschedule to potentially a Schedule 9. Now, the public hearings around that have been quite, um, you know, quite eccentric and quite, quite robust and the response has been quite amazing to see, you know, how many people have actually stood up and said this is not OK, this is discrimination. Um, yeah, so it's been interesting to sort of look at those sides of things. To what extent does the Eros Foundation do policy work around the brothel industry? Um, a little bit. Um, so I'm working with um, some of the Victorian licensees. I do represent uh, a few brothels in the ACT um, and in New South Wales um, and escort agencies as well. So essentially um, the work that I do with them is uh, looking at well, particularly in Victoria, we're anticipating that there will be a review of the sex work legislation and just looking at, you know, this legislation has been around since, oh, I think it was 1991, 92 from the top of my... Which is the licensing system that we have in the Victoria. The licensing system in Victoria, yeah. Now, we believe that decriminalisation will is inevitable and, and will be something the government will want to look at. Um, however, the, where we're anticipating there might be a bit of... Um, the first step will be a review of the legislation currently as is. So, um, you know, we're looking at... Th this legislation was pre-internet, so, you know, the, the the rules and regulations around advertising are quite archaic. The fact that these businesses, if they can only operate one business, um, you know, the licensing fees that they pay are, are quite high um, and the regulation and the, the red tape that they are um, that they are operating under is very restrictive. So... You know, we're just sort of looking at what what areas could be reviewed and, and, you know, treating adult businesses just like any other business. Fair enough. Uh, to what yeah. extent is there a place for a national legislative framework regarding the decriminalisation of sex work? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I've, I've always thought that there could be a national level for that and I think that that would be something that would be, um, that, sh that probably should be implemented. Um, it is state by state simply because in some states it's considered criminal, um, uh, under criminal law um, and that's where we need to see a real shift, uh, you know, whether it be something that is nationally looked at and reviewed and, the, and on a national level it, it, it could be looking at, you know, this is discrimination on um, a person's occupation and trade and, you know, inevitably that means that it shouldn't be, work shouldn't be considered a criminal offence, um, even if it, it's something, you know, in the sex industry. Um, you know, I think those, those rules and regulations are quite outdated and I don't think that that really stands up. But when it comes to looking at it on a, on a, um, on a federal level, um, I just don't think the government would be brave enough to do that. <laughs> So how will your preferences flow in Menzies? Uh, yeah, what preference deals have you done? Um, well, I didn't, I didn't really have any conversations around preferences, but I just sort of looked at, with reason, we always just try and preference um, with like-minded parties and parties that would probably support 
our um, our policy. Uh, our policies and, and where we're trying to go. Um, in Menzies, there is Stella Yee is running for Labor, and I'm um, she's my I'm obviously preferencing her next. Um, after that is is Robert Humphreys from the Greens. Um, the reason I did the reason that that was um, that that's what we supported was um, essentially Stella is a is a is a you know young progressive woman in getting into parliament so I wanted to support that more so than um, you know Robert Menzies is a retired uh, and is a retired man and he used to be a um, Anglican minister I believe so you have so, someone called Robert Menzies running for the seat of Menzies no no so, no Robert Humphreys oh okay gotcha <laughs> um, from there down I think I think we then went with oh, oh gosh now you're testing me. I have you put Kevin we, Andrews last? We didn't actually put him last. We had to then think about well, we've got the Dem- the Labor DLP and we have got uh, Australia First. So it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bunch at the end. But we um, I think we put Kevin Andrews before we put Clive Palmer's party, Australia First Party, and and the Labor DLP simply because they're quite extreme in their in their um, presence. Um, yeah. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.